just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. If you were listening yesterday, you heard the regular podcast, and then you heard a second podcast. And this was my second podcast involving a listener. Now, I told some people what I plan to do about having listeners on and have them on the show and talk back and forth, ask questions, answer questions. And most people said, don't do that. That's fucking crazy. There's crazy people out there. I said, dude, you don't know my audience. These people are very bright, they're very articulate, and they're very intelligent. I have no problem at all putting them on the show. In fact, I want them on the show because what they have to say and what they're thinking about is just as important as what I have to say. And besides, if I do get somebody fucking crazy, I just don't run the show. I just erase that shit. But that's not going to be a problem here. So we've had two listeners on the show. I've got at least three more. And trust me, I'm going to call you. I'm trying to, or I'm going to email you, trying to get everything put together, timing and all this stuff. But we will get everybody on that wants to be on. Just be patient with me. I I beg you. So anyway, let's talk about all the things that are happening today, and there's some interesting shit, to say the least. It is. It was primary day yesterday, so we'll be talking a lot about that because some intriguing things happened during primary day. But first I want to talk about this. Every day, almost every damn day, I hear people saying, Merrick Garland isn't doing anything. The DOJ is doing nothing. Trump and the trump will never be held accountable. They'll just slip through the cracks and they won't be punished, just like always. And I got to tell you, now, granted, I understand that the people who say this are oftentimes followers of mine, people who agree with me, but I have to kind of yell at them on occasion. There's nothing that frustrates me more than people with this fatalistic attitude. It's not moving fast enough for them. So they pout and stomp their feet and say, nothing's ever going to happen. It's all horrible. And I just hate that attitude. Now, don't get me wrong. I love you guys. And you're not the only people to do this. People in life in all aspects do this. They get tired and frustrated about being disappointed and disappointed. And then they throw up their hands and say, oh, it's never going to happen. But I'm going to tell you this. You take that attitude, you're almost certainly going to lose. If you take that attitude in this situation, you're not paying attention close enough. Because there's more to the story than the clickbait headlines. That's what the media wants you to listen to. That's what the politicians want you to listen to, those fucking headlines. But if you take time to read the article or listen to the story or at least tune to the Rational Boomer podcast and get all the facts, I'll guarantee you your perspective will be different. These people want to get you crazy, get you mad, get you scared, because that's going to generate more listeners, more viewers, and more money for them. But we can't get anywhere if you just keep going on the basic clickbait bullshit that they keep throwing out. 
I mean, I tell people all the time, just chill the fuck out. It takes time with the legal system. And I know it's hard to wait, but it does take time. This is nothing new. This is nothing extraordinary in these circumstances. This is the way it happens in all cases when it comes to the legal process. In fact, some ways, this is happening a little faster than it normally would. Well, for those of you that think Merrick Garland is doing nothing, I have some news for you. Merrick Garland, of course, we've heard about this. He's called a uh, grand jury to investigate the January 6th insurrection. So that means he's not doing nothing. He's doing something. And a grand jury, when you pull them together, well, then chances are you're looking for indictments. And we have some some hangers-on with Donald Trump, but um, largely they're looking to get to Donald Trump by way of those lower-level folks. Now, in addition to investigating the January 6th insurrection, yesterday, they also, the DOJ requested the transcripts of the many interviews by the January 6th committee. You'll remember they interviewed like a thousand people. And when you interview a thousand people, there's going to be a lot of evidence there. Now, trust me, this isn't not doing anything. Garland is methodical and meticulous. You will not see him act emotionally about any of the situations or strategies. He won't just react. He is meticulous. And trust me, that kind of person drives me nuts. But they know what they're doing. And the thing about it is, he is not going to bring anything to court until such time that he's absolutely certain he's going to win. And that's why it takes so long. And that's why there's a lot of periods of time when you don't hear anything. For decades and decades They kept telling us nobody's above the law, but every day they prove to us that politicians and rich people are, in fact, above the law. And in these situations with Donald Trump and some of these higher-up politicians, there is some uh, tentativeness by any DOJ, not just Merrick Garland, other DOJs as well, uh, to prosecute these people. They're afraid it's going to be uh, divisive for the country. They're afraid there are logistics they aren't going to handle. But this is a much different situation than any other situation in history. Because as much confusion, chaos, and divisiveness it may cause to uh, indict and or prosecute Donald Trump or his administration, it's going to cause even more problems if they don't. Because that theory worked okay prior to 2016. But the moment Donald Trump came in, he broke all norms, and he did things no other president has ever done. He tried to overthrow this government. He lied, he cheated, and he stole. And we have evidence of all this stuff. So as much as Merrick Garland is careful when it comes to trying to prosecute these hires up, He understands that by not prosecuting them, it may be more divisive, it may be more problematic than just shying away from it. This is a tough decision for Merrick Garland, and uh, and, uh, he's got to make sure he's got everything nailed down. 
indicting a president of the United States is a very sketchy situation. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And uh, you don't want to poke the bear unless you know you're going to kill the bear. You understand? And that's what he's trying to do. As I say, it's not going as quick enough as you hope, but just trust the process. Merrick Garland isn't an aggressive or assertive guy who's going to be yelling and screaming and doing all those things. But to be perfectly honest, this is the kind of guy we need for this job right now. If it is not done right, they will run loose and they will continue to do what they're doing. The accountability has to be specific and it has to be harsh. And in order to do that, it's going to take Merrick Garland doing what he needs to do to get there. And if it takes a little longer, well, then so be it. But understand, um, there, there, somebody else came out to me, and they and I told you, I just told you that the DOJ has asked for the um, transcripts from the interviews from the January 6th committee. And now I'm getting people coming up on my post. Yeah, but the January 6th committee says they're not going to give it to them. As if there's some conspiracy theory that uh, January 6th committee doesn't want to work with the DOJ or they're going to help Donald Trump, which is all fucking ridiculous. Again, it's just fucking pouting. It's not going the way you think it should, but you don't know enough about the situation to really make that fucking judgment. you got to read and you've got to listen and you've got to understand and you've got to comprehend it. So if you're not going to do that, just listen to me this time. Here is what's going on. Yes, the January 6th committee says, yeah, I don't know if we're going to give that to you right now. Now, the reason why they wouldn't give it to them is because they're in the middle of an investigation. The DOJ wouldn't hand transcripts to the, to the Congress if they were in the middle of an investigation. You don't need too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't need somebody who's going to screw it up. What is going to happen is the January 6th committee is going to present one hell of a show for eight nights in June. They are going to run a fucking miniseries exposing all evidence. At that point, once they do that, then they will refer to the DOJ and turn everything over to them. There's not some fucking conspiracy theory that the January 6th committee is not going to uh, cooperate with the DOJ. Of course they fucking are. Any more than the DOJ would refuse to cooperate with the January 6th committee or Congress in general. general. That's not happening. But they are going to hold back that information until they can get their information out to the public. They're not a body that can prosecute or indict, but they want to get the evidence out between now and November so everybody knows what's fucking up. And as that's going on, they're going to make referrals to the DOJ, and then the DOJ will get everything they fucking need. So stop wringing your fingers and or wringing your hands and and clutching your pearls because you think, oh, it's going to screw up again. you got to fucking lighten up, man. Trust the process. It's going to work. And I know in the past it hasn't worked or people have gotten away. This is a vastly different situation. People are trying to overthrow our country. The people in power know they can't let this slide. They have to do something or this country will be worse for it. All right, next up, Tucker Carlson spewed 
about the replacement theory more than 400 times over the years. But now he says he's not sure about replacement theory. And he's trying to distance himself from white supremacy and the replacement theory. Well, Tucker, you're a little fucking late. It's not going to be that easy to get that stink off of you. You were very clear about what you were saying and about what you meant. Now, Carlson opened his program uh, last night denouncing the 18-year-old suspect accused of killing 10 people in the grocery store in Buffalo, New York. I mean, if you were listening to Fox before, you were thinking he's a fucking hero. He said, you've heard a lot about replacement theory recently. It's everywhere. We're still not sure exactly what it is. Funny, you sure seemed sure about it the other night and weeks before when you talked about the last several times we've seen these types of things. When you talk about immigration or you talk about um, this replacement theory. This has been going on a long time. There is no mistaking it. We weren't mistaken about what you were talking about. Now, Then he pivoted to accuse Dems of touting immigration as a means to secure electoral victories. Here's what we do know for a fact. This is him speaking. There's a strong political component to the Dems' immigration theory. We know this because they have said so. Well, no, they haven't said so. But you see what he's doing here? He's coming on because somebody got to him. I know President Biden called Rupert Murdoch and said, what the fuck? You got to pull back on this. And needless to say, somebody got to Tucker Carlson and said, you got to fucking stop this. Shut your fucking big mouth. And now he's got to come back and backtrack, even though all he said has been very clear. And now he's now what he's doing, he's saying, well, we're not really sure. He's putting some uncertainty in this thing. We're not really sure. And then he describes what the Democrats are doing, which perfectly identifies the very replacement theory he's been spewing. So you see what he did. He didn't say there's no replacement theory. He said, well, we're not sure if there is any replacement theory. And then what he did is he repackaged it and polished it up and said the same fucking thing. Somebody at some point needs to stop Tucker Carlson, because he's full of shit, and he's a fucking danger to this country. Now, he said the document, the manifesto that the 18-year-old wrote, wasn't political at all. It was crazy, and he said all racism is bad. This is what Tucker Carlson is saying. Somebody got to this guy. I know they did, because you don't make a 180 switch on this. Well, he didn't really make a 180 switch. He tried to make it look like he made a 180 switch, but then he slipped it back in because he can't say he's wrong. He refuses to say he's wrong. That's a narcissistic, sociopathic behavior. So basically what Tucker Carlson is saying You didn't hear what you hear. Let me explain it differently so you can't blame me for saying exactly what I fucking said. How many times have we seen that in the last six years? All right, as I said, we've got a lot of primaries going on. And the first one I want to talk about is Doug Mastriano. 
This guy is a far-right freak. He's a state senator who also attended the January 6th insurrection. He was fucking there and has been at the center of the efforts to overturn the fair results of the 2020 election. Now, he won the Republican primary for governor of the state of Pennsylvania. Now, this guy is like Donald Trump on acid. You would never think that there could be a more extreme candidate than Donald Trump, but there sure the fuck is. There sure the fuck is. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people are concerned at the prospect of having an ultra-mega nutcase winning the governor's seat in a crucial swing state. I mean, if he's governor... If need be, he is going to be trying to overturn the election in 2024 in Pennsylvania. He already thinks the 2020 election was stolen, and he's going to cheat to benefit the Republicans come 2024. (coughs) Now, before you get too excited about this, Before you get too upset about this crazy fucker being the Republican candidate, I want you to understand something. I am glad he's the Republican candidate. I mean, clearly he's a danger and a nutcase. He is without question an insurrectionist. The only people that could support that is the base, which is about 30% of this country. No moderate or normal-thinking Republican is going to vote for him and have that attached to them going on into the future. Remember the January 6th committee is going to have eight televised hearings in June. That will paint a different and indisputable picture of what happened that day. I've said this before, I'll say it again, the crazier the candidate, the easier it will be for the Democratic candidate to win. If you don't believe me, well, listen to Mitch McConnell. Watch what he's doing. Watch what the other Republicans are doing. These Republicans, as much as said as Doug Mastriano, has no way he can win. He's too extreme. There's just no way he can do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play this out. But this is a perfect scenario for the Democrats. I mean, all they have to do is point out he was at the insurrection. He's an extremist. He's a nutcase. He's a Trumplefuck. And just keep pumping that in front of the crowd. Now, there will be people who say, oh, I vote Republican no matter what. But even they can't vote for this extremist. The fact that this guy is extreme is exactly what the Democrats want. You don't want some formidable uh, uh, candidate that's running, a Republican candidate that's running against the Democrats. Then it makes, much, makes it much tougher. It makes it more of a partisan thing. How most elections ran before 2016. You got Republicans, you got Democrats. Whoever's got more people voting, they're going to win. But this is a much different situation. There are a lot of Republicans that are not going to be able to stomach this. They are not going to feel good about attaching themselves to this kind of candidate. And as I've said, 
There's going to be a lot coming out between now and November about the January 6th insurrection. We've got the TV hearings. We've got evidence coming out. We're going to have the referrals to the Department of Justice. A lot of things are going to come out with regards to January 6th. And like I say, it's going to paint a different picture. There are a lot of people who want to wish it away and say it never happened. But once these televised hearings are done, that is going to be impossible to do. And once they know all that happened and how horrific it was and how bad these people were, all they have to do is say, oh, and by the way, your guy running for governor, he was right in the middle of this fucking insurrection. He's got some trouble. He's not going to be able to slip through this. So as much as he might be scary as a Republican candidate because of his insurrectionist background and his extreme ideas, that is going to work in the favor of the Democrats. People are going to see this, and much like 2020, they're going to be scared at the prospects if somebody like this gets into office, even Republicans, certainly moderate, certainly independents. Then you throw in the fact that you've got uh, the attempt to overturn Roe v. Wade. Republicans are in fucking deep trouble at this point. They want you to believe that they're going to win easily in the midterms, but don't believe that. That's bullshit. That is not going to happen that way. Logically, it just can't. You see, this goes back to what I was talking about before. People will hear the news. The Republicans, the right side media will just flat out lie to you. And if that's all you listen to, that's all you know. You don't know the truth. You just know the conspiracy theories. You know the lies. Now, on the other side of the coin, the, the, the left side media loves to stir things up. They like to make things look bad. They like to make Joe Biden look bad because it causes people to get excited and upset and listen more closely to their broadcast and bring in more money from their advertisers. You're not getting the whole story when you're watching cable news. You're just not. That's why it's incumbent on people, you, me, everybody, to dig a little deeper and find out what the real facts are for this situation. We need to know what the facts are. Because the media is not going to deliver to us as they should. They're going to do whatever is expedient for them. Just remember that. That is the whole reason I do the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to give you the whole story. I want you to see it from different angles. I want you to know that not every situation is um, horrible and that it was uh, fatalistic. I want you to understand that there are more angles to look at it. And if you look at it logically, there's always an angle to deal with any situation. But it's real easy to sit back, watch the cable news, or read what's on the internet and go, Oh my God, the world is going to explode. The sky is falling. Well, it's not. We are now seeing things coming back from the depths we were in. These people that committed these crimes are going to be exposed and people aren't going to be able to lie about it or distract it or divert from it or run away from it. They're just not going to be able to do it. Not normal thinking people anyway. As I've said, the base is always going to do what the base is going to do. They're fucking idiots. They're Trump and they're not the brightest crowd in the world. 
The unfortunate thing for them is that base is only 30% strong. And with 30% of the American public, you can't win any fucking election. Stop being fatalistic about this stuff. Everything is kind of going our way. Everybody wants to see these people hooked up in, in handcuffs and dragged off to jail. Well, that will probably happen. There will be some indictments coming out of the DOJ regarding January 6th. However, it may not happen as fast as you'd like, and that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. We're not children. We can be patient as long as we see some progress. And now, with Merrick Garland and the uh, grand jury and the asking for transcripts, we know that the DOJ is looking at this pretty deeply, and they're ultimately going to do something a fucking about this. So just be patient. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. Of course, the big news yesterday was the primary races. Five states had primary races yesterday. Now, I won't get to talk about all of them, but we'll talk about the high points here, the things that are making news, things that you no doubt want to find out about. Now, in last night's primary news, there was some good news and some better news. Turns out our buddy, Matty Cawthorn, was running in a Republican primary to be the Republican candidate to run for his seat that he's currently holding. He's running for re-election or wanted to. Um, And that is for a seat in the House of Representatives, and he's coming from North Carolina. Well, Matty has had a tough couple of months. A lot of things have been exposed A lot of information has been put out. And the funny thing is, it's mostly come from the Republican Party, not the Democrats. The Democrats wouldn't have access to these sorts of things. But Matty Cawthorn did the one thing that you don't do, and that's go after your own party. (laughs) In spite of the insurrection and all the crazy shit he's done, when he said that there were orgies and cocaine use in the House of Representatives, well, that was a bridge too far. And the moment he did that, 
everybody in the Republican Party turned on him. Kevin McCarthy, all the other Republicans in the House of Representatives, in fact, every fucking Republican in the state of North Carolina refused to support him. This was going to be a bad night for Matty Cawthorn, and it, in fact, was. In fact, some people have said to me, they said, well, he'll just say that the election was rigged and all that stuff. No, actually, he's not. He already conceded the race, so that's done. He will not be the Republican candidate for his House of Representatives seat. Now, actually, this will probably work out better for Maddie. Now, if by some chance he returned for a second term, the MAGA crowd probably would have eaten him alive. As I said, they don't like him. They would have found some way, somewhere to kick his ass out, and that would be far more embarrassing than losing a race. So he probably got off easy on this particular situation. But, you know, when I, when I look at this, I have to wonder. When Madison Cawthorn leaves office in January, and he's no longer under the thumb of or control of Kevin McCarthy and the House of Representatives. What's he going to do? It sounds like he's pretty angry that he lost, and he's even more angry that the Republican Party worked against him. So he's going to be angry. What might he do? Now keep in mind, he's only 26 years old. He's not very mature. He likes to talk. Oh, he's a talker. Maybe he'll get a job at Fox or OAN or Newsmax, or maybe, maybe just maybe write a book. Well, that's possible. That's likely. But think about this. You got a young man, more testosterone than he's got intelligence. He's angry. He feels like he's been wronged. He wants retribution. So then does Matty Cawthorn say, fuck you guys and do a book or go on TV and talk about these orgies and uh, this drug use in the House of Representatives. What's he got to lose? I mean, he's 26 years old. He's pretty much fucked up his career in politics. He's got to find a way to make money. The one thing he has that has some value is information about the Republican Party. And if he's already mad at him, he shouldn't have a problem with it. Now, of course, when you're dealing with the Republican Party, something bigger, something worse could happen. You know, it could get violent. That's the way the Republican Party asked. So maybe Matty Cawthorn would put himself in a dangerous position should he start yapping. But again, it goes back to what I said. Matty Cawthorn is 26. He's got more testosterone than he does intelligence. He is mad. He wants retribution. So is he going to talk? Some people might say, oh, he'd never do that against the Republican Party. Wait a minute. This is the same guy that videotaped him in bed naked with his cousin humping his face. A guy like that will fucking do anything. Because he thinks he's entitled. He thinks he can get away with anything. Uh, I think you're going to find that Matty Cawthorn is going to be a thorn in the side of the Republicans based on the way they treated him. Now, he's been mad about losing and the Republicans blowing him up, essentially. It's going to cause him to talk. 
That could be very interesting. Now, here's the better news. Did you know that Donald Trump endorsed Madison Cawthorn? Kevin McCarthy was ready to throw him to the wolves, and Donnie Trump thought, uh, you know, maybe we should give this kid a second chance. Maybe he saw himself in Maddie Cawthorn, which is probably true. They're both the same kind of douchey pieces of shit. But he endorsed Madison Cawthorn. Maddie uh, is causing problems for Donald Trump now because, of course, Madison Cawthorn lost the race. And uh, Donald Trump, the man with the golden touch, the kingmaker, loses again. Now, this kind of go against goes against my personal strategy. I don't know who the person was that beat Matty Cawthorn, but he certainly got to be a better candidate than Matty Cawthorn. He's maybe more centrist or more normal. I would rather see Matty Cawthorn run against the Democrats because he would be blown out of the water. So as much as I'm happy to see Matty Cawthorn gone and gone forever, I kind of wish he was the candidate, because I think it would be easier for the Democrat if, in fact, Matty Cawthorn was the candidate. Well, we'll see what happens, and it's going to be interesting over the next few days. Like I say, Matty is a talker, and he is not going to be happy. He has conceded the election. It's a foregone conclusion that come January 20th, I think that's the date, Madison Cawthorn will pack his little hanky full of whatever he's got in his office, no doubt sex toys or some shit like that, and walk his ass out the door never to return. It's going to be a happy moment for Democrats and Republicans alike because nobody fucking likes him. I dare say that fewer people like Madison Cawthorn than like Ted Cruz. And that's fucking saying something. That's truly saying something because uh, Ted Cruz is absolutely hated in the Senate. Maybe Matty Cawthorn is a lot like uh, Ted Cruz, but he's in the House of Representatives. It's going to be fun seeing him go back into the chambers after this election and still trying to be cocky and proud and talking shit. He got his ass kicked. He lost. He's done. He's gone. All right, now there's a uh, marquee race for last night's primaries. And it is for the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Now there are three people running for this. Dr. Oz, uh, Catherine Bennett, and somebody named McCormick. Now, I presume out of those three, McCormick is probably the closer to normal, but I wouldn't bet on absolutely normal. We know that Donald Trump endorsed Dr. Oz, and we know Catherine Barnett is is much like um, much like what I was talking about before. He, she's kind of ultra-mega. She's kind of the step beyond Donald Trump because she admits she hates Muslims, she hates LGBTQ, and she's a problematic candidate for the Republicans. Well, now it appears to be an extremely tight race. And last night we didn't get an answer as to who the winner is. They said there were more mail-in ballots to be counted, that they won't count them until 
later today or maybe even tomorrow. So we may not know the winner for a little while. As long as it's Dr. Oz or Catherine Barnett, I'm going to be happy. I'd prefer Catherine Barnett for two reasons. She's crazier than Dr. Oz. And if she wins, then Donald Trump is a loser again because he endorsed Dr. Oz. That would be the best turnout for me. But I'm not sure that's the case. And looking at the uh, the election totals just a little bit ago, and we're at, uh, what, 1.30 a.m. on Wednesday morning? Still early to tell. No one's betting who's winning there. But I have a feeling that McCormick and Oz are in the tightest race Catherine Barnett is, is, is lagging behind a little bit. Not a lot. It's not insurmountable. And if we still have to count mail-in ballots, who knows what's going to happen. And again, we may not know until today, tomorrow, maybe the next day, as to who won the race. So this is going to be very interesting to find out what's happening. And again, Uh, Mitch McConnell is really troubled with the kind of candidates that are coming through. They're radical. They're far right. They're conspiracy theorists. They're QAnon followers. They're all that shit. And Mitch McConnell's smart enough to know that when it comes down to it, when the race starts, the Democrats are going to have all kinds of of, of, um, ammunition to go after these people because they're so fucked up and they are so radical. And Mitch McConnell knows that makes it tougher for his Republican Party to win these seats if these candidates are shit. But you can thank Donald Trump for that because Donald Trump just took the craziest fucks, endorsed them, and that may or may not work when it comes down to it. Now, on the Democratic side, Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman will be the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate and we'll go head-to-head with one of those three fucked-up candidates that we're waiting on. Now, Fetterman's an interesting guy. Fetterman, when you see him, he's got the goatee, he's wearing cargo shorts and his T-shirt. He's really kind of unorthodox. He's non-traditional when it comes to being a politician, which is odd because he is the lieutenant governor, the sitting lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, but he's well-liked. Now, the interesting things to consider about John Fetterman, just a few days ago, Fetterman suffered a stroke. Now, in previous elections, you know, years gone by, if you found out somebody was sick just prior to election, that was a death knell. And I don't mean that to be a pun. I don't mean he's going to die. I mean, it's a death knell to his election because people will question whether or not he's healthy enough to hold office. But that wasn't an issue here. He he got 59% of the vote, so he kicked ass pretty well. Now, he says he's fine, but he didn't give the victory speech. His wife did. You know, you just have a stroke a couple days ago. Yeah, you probably have to rest up. And let's hope he's healthy. Um, the other part of, of Fetterman that makes it interesting is that um, as much as the Republican candidates are crazy extremist and ultra-mega, Fetterman, on the other hand, is more of a progressive. He's more the far left. He's all for giving college tuition uh, relief, 
and universal health care, among other things. Now, certainly we'd like to see him get into the Senate. We could use somebody like that in the Senate to get some things done. But this is going to be an interesting race because we got the far left and the far right going head to head. There's going to be no confusing these two candidates. They are polar opposites. So that's what's going to make it interesting. Pennsylvania is kind of a purple state. It can be red, it can be blue. But um, we'll see how this shakes out. Now, Fetterman is a pretty good orator. He's a good speaker. And people do like him. And he does seem to be kind of a down-home normal guy. And if that works in Pennsylvania, he's got it by the handfuls. I mean, he looks, when you look at John Fetterman, check him out on uh, um, on Google. Check him out. I'm not making fun of him. I think it's an interesting tactic, but I don't think it's a tactic. I think this is just who he is. But if you look at John Fetterman, other than the times, those rare times he might be wearing a suit, he looks like a guy you might see at a softball game, you know? The guy that's uh, the big hitter on the other team or the guy that drinks the most beer, that's kind of what he looks like. He really looks down-to-earth and normal, which is rare enough in politics these days. Now, you have to consider, once again, I'll mention this, We keep hearing people saying that the Republicans will tell us that the midterms, they're ours, we won. You don't even have to think about it. History history tells us that we'll win. But you do have to consider all that's going on. Nothing that's going on now is anything we've seen in history. So to compare 2022 in November with any other midterm, it doesn't make any sense because the uh, parameters and the dynamics are totally different than anything we've seen. You've got to consider this Roe v. Wade situation. This one situation might be the killer for the Republican Party. I've said this a hundred times. I'll say it again. When you try to take a constitutional right away from 50 or 51 percent of the American public, that is not going to help you in the election. When you know that a lot is coming out starting in June with these public hearings on January 6th, that is not going to be helpful to the Republicans. It's going to be problematic for the Republicans. So we'll see what happens. But as far as I'm concerned, all this hand-wringing about the Republicans winning in the midterms, it makes no sense. Now, I'm not making predictions. I don't know anything you don't know. All I'm doing is trying to use logic and common sense and see what all the facts are. Just because the Republicans say they're going to win in the midterms, that doesn't mean shit to me because I know they're liars. And I know it's a tactic when they know they're going to have problems. They come in acting like, oh, yeah, we know we're going to win. It's a foregone conclusion. Only to try to keep a stiff upper lip, if you will and to keep people on the Republican side confident that they're going to win. You see, if they were to come out and some way find out that no matter what the Republicans do, they're going to lose, if it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people who might have voted who now won't vote because they feel like it's a waste of time. 
So they have to keep the spirits up on the uh, Republican side. And if it takes lying, well, so fucking be it. All right, last thing we're going to talk about. This is interesting. Ex-Trump official Miles Taylor quits the GOP. He says the Republican Party is a threat to America. He also says the Republican Party cannot be saved. Now, Miles Taylor was a deputy chief of staff for the Department of Homeland Security. And then later, he was the chief of staff for Homeland Security from 2017 to 2019. So he was without question higher up. He was on the cabinet. Now, he tweeted this. This is what he's saying right now. Now, he was a stringent Republican. He was a solid Donnie Trump backer. But now he's seeing something different. And this is what he tweeted. I'm done. I no longer believe the Republican Party can be saved. The vitriolic rhetoric is inspiring violent radicals. I'm quitting the GOP and hope more do the same. Now, in an editorial he wrote, he said, in the wake of the mass shooting in Buffalo on Saturday, it becomes glaringly obvious that my party no longer represents conservative values, but in fact poses a threat to them and to America. Taylor said that a poll last year showed that nearly 50% of all Republicans believe in the replacement theory. And it sounds like he's appalled by it. The Republican Party, which um, branded a violent or, or inspired a violent insurrection in the nation's capital as a legitimate political discourse. That's what they said. There's nothing here. Nothing bad happened. It's normal political discourse. And he say he says that is poisoning Americans. A poison, poisoning their minds and supplanting respectful disagreement with loaded gun rhetoric. Now, with all that's happening, I've said this three times, I'll say it again. You got Roe v. Wade, you got the January uh, 6th insurrection and all the evidence coming out, all the other investigations, all the other problems hanging over the Republicans' head. I honestly believe that at some point, not too distant future, we are going to see a mass exodus from the Republican Party. The Republican Party is sinking. Now, I'll tell you when it will probably happen, because these people don't seem to want to give up. But if we get to the midterms and Donald Trump endorses whatever Republican candidates, And if the Democrats take over in the House and the Senate and hold their margin and increase it, and it is a bad election for the Republicans, well, people are going to walk away from Donald Trump. Donald Trump's supposed to be the kingmaker, the man with the golden ticket. Once that stops working, these people have no loyalty. I know loyalty is big to Donald Trump, but he needs to understand these people aren't loyal. Politicians aren't loyal to anybody. As long as they're getting something from somebody, they're their best pal. But the moment that stops, they leave them in the dirt. Donald Trump will be left in the dirt, and he'll be left to flounder when all the investigations are going on and the possible indictments. You're going to see a lot more people walking away from the Republican Party with the shooting in Buffalo and the 
actions by the Republican Party and the Republican media, people are going to be disgusted by this. This is what I said earlier. As much as Republicans don't want to vote for Democrats, they certainly don't want to attach themselves to terrorists, insurrectionists, um, murderers. They don't want to be attached to that sort of thing. So in order to uh, to separate themselves, and trust me, they are going to separate themselves. One of two things could happen. They could vote for a third-party uh, candidate. They could vote for a Democratic Party candidate. But what's more likely, if they see the Republican Party is sinking and they feel that this Republican Party is contrary to what they believe and is an embarrassment and a danger to this country, it's conceivable that... Uh, these people will not vote at all, which is just fine. As it is, the Republicans have fewer voters than Democrats. They just get to play games with voter suppression, gerrymandering, and uh, cheating at the polls. That's where they're at. That's what they've got to do. They can't legitimately go into election and win without it being gamed. They've said as much. In 2016, they were talking about different things they wanted to do, and whoever they were talking to at the time said, look, if we don't change this, no Republican will ever win elected office again. Well, fucking good. Until these people can behave like human beings, and clearly they don't, we don't need them in the Republican Party. We don't need them in election races. We need them to fucking go away because they are a danger to this country and a danger to all of us. This will be very interesting, but I think the next, what is it, seven months between now and November, there's going to be a lot of revelations. There's going to be a lot of things coming out. There's going to be a lot of change of perceptions. Not all Republicans, but many Republicans will see what they what's what's revealed, and they will be disgusted. They don't want any part of it. The Democrats, they think they know how bad it is. They think they know all the bad things that have occurred. But I think when we start seeing these televised hearings, you're going to be amazed by how, how depraved the fucking Republican Party behaved. It's going to be absolutely staggering what you see. So as bad as you think the Republicans might be, I'll guarantee you, between now and November, you are going to find out that they were way fucking worse. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. Once again, if you have questions, comments, complaints, or maybe you want to join me on the show, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm and find Rational Boomer podcast and you can leave me a voicemail message. Now, I've got another one coming up with Ed Jones at some point. I was supposed to record it today. I don't think I can because I've got to go to a funeral. So maybe tomorrow, the next day, we'll do another one with Ed. I'm going to be scheduling um, times with at least three other listeners who want to come on. I'm looking forward to that. We've had two. They did great jobs, and I expect the other three will do the same. So you have yourself a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. 
don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.